welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I want to quickly share from Matthew with you this morning to prepare you for what we're about to go into this year. In Matthew chapter 27... Reading from verse 57, and I'm going to read from the message. You can either follow on your iPads, iPhones, your Android computers, or whatever it is that you've got there, or on the screen here. Matthew 27, verse 57 says this. Late in the afternoon, a wealthy man from Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus, arrived. His name was Joseph. He went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. Pilate granted his request. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linens. He put it in his own tomb, a new tomb, only recently cut into the rock and rolled a large stone across the entrance. I find this a fascinating piece of scripture because up until this moment in Jesus' life, We don't hear about this man, Joseph. We hear a lot about Jesus. We hear a lot about the disciples. We hear a lot about the women in Jesus' life, all the Marys and Martha and and all those. We, We hear a lot about them, but we don't hear anything about this guy. And then out of nowhere, seemingly, this man by the name of Joseph comes on the scene. And it was this morning as I was putting my contact lenses in, I felt God drop a word into my heart that help is gonna come from the most unlikely places. Just as Joseph of Arimathea appears on the scene, seemingly out of nowhere, we don't have any other record of him in the story of Christ. And here he is coming to the aid of the body of Jesus. I believe for you in your marriage, I believe for you in your families, I believe for us as a church that help this year is gonna come from the most unusual and most unlikely places. Will you have faith for that this morning? And so it goes on to tell us a little bit about Joseph. Not much is known about him, but we do know that he was a wealthy man. We do know that he was from a place called Arimathea. And we do know that he was a disciple of Jesus. And I love that. Not just a Christian. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christian. Most of this nation would say they're Christians. But this man was a disciple, not just a Christian. A disciple means a wholehearted follower of Christ. He followed the uh, commands of Jesus. He was a disciple. He was one who sat at the feet of Jesus and learnt all that needed to be learnt. And then he put it into practice. I love that. We don't need more Christians. We need disciples. We need dedicated followers of Christ. People who stop arguing, complaining with what the Bible actually says. Stop interpreting it through the Greek and the Hebrew and making it say whatever you want to say. We need people who just put in practice the Word of God. Amen. No matter how you interpret love your enemy, no matter how you see it in the Greek, the Hebrew, the Latin or anything else, it means love your enemies. Let's be like Joseph, a disciple of Jesus. What else do we know about Joseph? is that he had an incredible commitment to the body of Jesus. While others were gloating and celebrating the death of Jesus, and others were lamenting and mourning, complaining and blaming over the lifeless body of Jesus, Joseph goes to the authorities and asks for the body of Jesus. He wraps it up 
He cleans it. He puts the body in a tomb and he places a stone over the entrance. Now, what I want you to know about this story is that while it was a very real account of what took place in Jesus' life, I also believe that the bloodied, beaten, battered and bruised, lifeless body of Jesus serves as an incredible metaphor for the church today. After all, the church is the body of Christ. And let's face it, the church gets beaten, battered and bruised. And it can even appear a little bit lifeless at times. But how we respond in these times is crucial. And I believe Joseph of Arimathea serves as a reminder of how vision-driven disciples respond. And I see a church full of disciples like Joseph. Disciples that are, number one, courageous. Disciples that are courageous. You see, it was Joseph who went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And I felt God say to me when I read that, that the church doesn't belong in the hands of the authorities. The church belongs in the hands of disciples. We cannot allow the government of this day, no matter how good it is or corrupt it is, to determine what the church is and is not allowed to do. The church belongs to Jesus Christ and disciples need to be men and women who are bold and courageous and declare the Word of God like never before and stop allowing certain laws to be passed that are contrary to the Word of God. That's going to take courage. That's going to take guts. That's going to take determination. That's going to take a commitment. It's not going to take namby-pamby Christians. It's going to take gutsy, strong, courageous, disciples, wholehearted followers of Christ Jesus. Amen. We need courageous men. We need courageous women to build the church. It's not easy being a Christian. If it was easy, everyone would do it. But it takes determination. And it takes courage. And I admire Joseph's courage. When many of the disciples were lamenting and mourning, some were blaming, Joseph says, hey, Pilate, I want the body of Jesus. I want the body of Jesus back. It doesn't belong to you. It's going to take courageous men and women in 2012 to fulfill the plans and purpose, dreams and vision that God has given us. Secondly, I want a church full of disciples that are caring. Joseph, we see, not only got the body back, but that he wrapped the body of Jesus. I love that. See, being a courageous man is not being a macho man. We don't need any more macho men. We need men that are strong and courageous, granted. But we need men that are caring and kind. We need men and women that are tough and tender. We need both. We don't want you to be loud and proud. But we want you to be loud and caring. We want you to be a people that care. The Bible talks about 
Those that love him are ones that care for orphans, care for widows. They are men that honour women. We've got a young man who's gone to South Africa because he's kind of developing a relationship with a young lady in South Africa who's been over to our church. And I'm really excited about it. I am. But my parting words to this young man, a friend of mine, I pointed in his face. I said, mate, don't stuff this up. (laughs) Treat her as a princess and treat her as though Jesus is watching every move you make because he is. Don't stuff it up. Honour her. Love her. Get to know her. Don't touch her. Why did I say that? Because I care for this girl. Can you see? Courage and care can go hand in hand. That's what we need. Men and women that are courageous and bold and yet loving and caring. Why has the word been love? Why has the word love been hijacked as namby pamby and insipid? Why does love have to be portrayed as insipid? Why can't it be strong and furious? I'll be furious if this goes sour. <laughs> Joseph was a man that was courageous, and he was a man that was caring. And it kind of represents the church that we want to become. A church full of disciples that are courageous, that are caring, and that are clean. Jesus takes the body of Jesus and he not only wraps it, but he wraps it in clean. Everyone say clean. Clean. He wraps it in clean linen. It's pretty dishonouring that you're more vocal for an American guy that we had last week than your pastor who gives out week after week after week after week after week. That's fine. It's okay. Wraps in clean. Everyone say clean. Thank you. Not some old painty rags, not some old, not, but something that is clean. Speaks to us of a clean church. A pure church. A church that is pure in thought and action. Not just action, but in thought and action. Disciples that are free from the addiction of pornography, drugs, drunkenness and sleeping around. I asked the elders, I said, what show on television today holds up the virtue of staying pure to your marriage on television. What show? We could not think of one. Every show that is on television today endorses sleeping around, having sex before you're married, try before you buy. Everything on television right now is preaching at us something that is counterculture to the kingdom culture. It's preaching at us and it's brainwashing people. And in this environment, in this community, in this year, 2012, we have to make a stand. 
Please don't read the Bible as if it was like the good old days, the black and white days, the days where there were no promiscuity. It was easy for Paul to say the things he did in that day. I want to tell you, in that day, it was just as corrupt and debauched as it is today. There's homosexuality, there's sleeping around, there was orgies, it's all addressed in the Word of God. And Paul says, I know that's going on, but make a stand and be clean and be pure. Got to make a stand. Be like Joseph, who was a disciple that was courageous and caring and clean. And one, number four, that was able to count the cost. Oh, I love this. It says, Joseph, having taken the body off Pilate, having cleaned and wrapped the body of Jesus in clean, everyone say clean, clean. linen. He now, at great expense to himself, places the body of Jesus in his own tomb, the tomb that he owned, the tomb that he spent money on. It was a cost to Joseph. Nothing worth anything in life is free. Oh, salvation is free. Don't get me wrong. Salvation is free, but discipleship is not. The gift of salvation comes free to you and it comes free to me. And I am amazed at this free gift of salvation every day of my life. It's what causes me to sing. It's what causes me to praise God. It's what causes me to read my Bible every day. A gratitude for the free gift of salvation. I thank God for Jesus. I thank God for the free gift of salvation. I thank God there is nothing I can do in my own strength to be saved. It's but for the work of Christ and the belief I have in Christ that gets me saved and keeps me saved and will keep me saved to the end. That is a free gift. Salvation cannot be earned or bought. Oh, but discipleship, that'll cost you everything you've got. Discipleship is costly. Discipleship costs because it demands something from us. It demands something from us. It demands something from our wallets. It demands something from our hearts. It demands something from our minds. It demands something from our bodies. It demands something from us. Hey, don't get me wrong. When I look at the stats of 2011 and I see that our tithes and offerings are up by 6% in this financial climate, I, get, I praise God, I do. But when I look at the growth of this church being 20%, there's something amiss. Are we starting to take the free gift of salvation for granted where we no longer want to go on to discipleship, but we just want the free gift of salvation and then go on and do our own thing? If you are a lover of Jesus and you want to become a disciple, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost. And I want to be part of a church full of disciples that are willing to pay the price. Not only was it his own tomb, but I love this, get this, it was a new tomb. It wasn't just his tomb, but the writer of the Bible, through the inspiration the Holy Spirit, puts in the fact that it was a new tomb. These things aren't just there to be ignored, but it was a new tomb. Why is new tomb there? I love it. Not a second-hand tomb. Not a leftover you know, some of you might be being stirred. You know, oh, I'm going to give and I'm going to give, you know, my leftovers. I'm going to give away those old worn out shoes that are no good for anyone. You're going to give them. No, you're just 
having a spring clean. In the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 1, it says, When you bring blind animals to sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to the governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord God Almighty? We don't want to give God our leftovers. We don't want to come to church on Sunday and see what money we got left. We want to give to God first because he is deserving of that. You know, this church is generous in measure, but this I do know. Through doing some very loose, rough calculations and being very conservative in our loose, rough calculations, we know this to be true, that we could be two-thirds better off than we are presently and two-thirds more effective than we are presently if everyone tithed. If everyone gave a third, a, a tenth, some of you just came awake and oh, cool, done. <laughs> if everyone gave a tenth of our income as a first fruit to God, out of gratitude for all that He's done, Very good. Very good. I believe we could do three times the amount that we're presently doing. We've guesstimated about 30% of the people are actually tithe in this church. And, and that's better than none, don't get me wrong. But come on, church. Let's, let's move from immaturity to maturity. Let's move out of a give me, give me mentality to I'm going to start giving mentality. Let's move out of can you fix my problem as opposed to I'm going to start fixing other people's problems. Let's move from immaturity to maturity. The writers in the scriptures are all about maturity. They're wanting you to move from milk to meat. I mean, I like milk, but give me steak any day of the week. Any men out there who like steak over milk? Come on. Arnold Schwarzenegger was asked this question. Do you uh, drink lots of milk thinking that he was so big and strong and, and, and uh, he would get all his protein from his milk? He says, milk is for babies. I drink beer. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with anything. Just to wake some of you up. Beer, what? Hey, hey, all right. A new tomb. Why is new important? I believe new is important, particularly in the context in which we live. With all the shopping centres that get upgraded every five years or so, I think for the church to be left behind just with old, we lose ground. In the context, we're in the poor country. Yeah, let me just say something about that. And I'll talk more about this later on. But when we was in Indonesia recently, the, the group of people that um, hosted us were Mercy Indonesia. And they took us around their campuses, which was fantastic. And, and they showed us what they're doing. And one of the initiatives was Christian radio stations. And they give out all these radios that are dialed into one station, a Christian station. But because Indonesia is heavily populated with Muslim people, the music they choose is very much influenced by the sounds that the Muslim people like to be contextual. To get a connection. So it's not about rich or poor, it's about contextualization. That's what we're dealing with here. Having everything old and everything secondhand and everything she'll be right, mate, does not work in this context. In this context, that says something. Just as 
putting the wrong music on the radio stations wouldn't work. It's not about, don't think rich or poor, think of contextualisation. And God has placed us in, 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 in one of the most wealthiest countries in the world. We shouldn't feel bad about that, but we've got to be responsible with that. Are you getting this? should never feel bad. The answer can't always be, what about the poor? We have to look after those that God has given us as well. We need to do something for the poor, but we need to do something for the rich. We need to do something for the middle class. God knows there's so many middle class that need Jesus. And everything about us says something about us. We have to contextualise the gospel. And I'm telling you, we are not being contextual when we have everything secondhand and old and broken down. That is not going to reach the people that God has put us with. Amen. And so new is important, I believe, for us to be effective. But here's the thing, that is not the end. This is not the end of the story. I love this. Joseph goes to the authorities and courageously asks for the body of Jesus. He wraps it clean linen. He puts it in his own tomb at a cost to himself. But this is not the end. You see, three days later, the lifeless body of Jesus rises again. And I felt that God say this. That all these acts of this one disciple were a precursor to resurrection life. You want resurrection life in your marriage? Resurrection life in your school? Resurrection life in your workplace? Resurrection life in your universities? Resurrection life in your own life? There has to be some things that are a precursor to that. So Joseph does all these things and it's a precursor to the new life that is about to come. Some of you, it may feel like Friday morning and everything's dead. But in the words of Tony Campolo, it may be Friday, but remember, Sunday's coming. Resurrection day, resurrection life is coming. This new life is coming if we continue to do these things. If we as a church this year can continue being courageous can continue being caring, can continue to be kind, can continue to count the cost. We, I believe, can see some incredible things. The only thing that stops vision is when we give up. Vision is imperative to life. Without vision, you're already half dead. And Vision Sunday is an incredible opportunity for us to be stirred afresh, refocused, remotivated, and reminded of our purpose and high calling that we have in Jesus. In Proverbs 29. Verse 18, it says, where there is no revelation or where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there's no vision, people stop doing the hard things. Where there is no vision, people take the easy route. They take the easy way. What stops me giving up? What stops me giving a vision of a preferred future? 18 years in February, this church has been going. 
18 years in February, we've been, uh, 20 years in February, we've been married. What keeps us going? Vision, fresh vision. Every day, every week, every month, every year. Before we get into the specifics of our vision for 2012, I want you to take a look at the screens and be blessed, encouraged and inspired by some video footage of this church. Thanks, guys. I love the church. The church is the only thing that Jesus is building in the earth today. The church is the only thing that Jesus Christ is coming back for. The only thing that will prompt Jesus to leave heaven one more time is the return of His church. Nothing else is worth serving. Nothing else is worth giving your life to and for. Don't allow McDonald's or KFC or Apple Computer... Whatever it is that's out there demanding your money, demanding your time, demanding your attention, don't allow these things, even good things, to rob you of serving Jesus Christ through His local church. Every good gift can be the thing that gets in the way of you serving Jesus. Your marriage can get in the way of you serving Jesus and serving His church. Your kids, and kids are a blessing from the Lord. I know that the Bible says, but they can be the excuse to stop you serving Jesus through the church. Your job that can be a blessing from God can be the very thing that can be the disturbance and the thing that interrupts you serving God. Good things and bad things can be an interruption to the plan and purpose of God. What's going to hold us true is not getting a divorce, not getting rid of those kids, not getting a new job. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what's going to hold us on track is vision. That's what's going to keep us. So we can keep our marriage, we can keep our families, we can keep our job, but keep a fresh focus and fresh vision on what Jesus Christ is calling us to do. Amen. And I believe that as a church, every local church has its own vision. And that vision needs to be broken down every year. And that's why we have a Vision Sunday. Not because we change our vision every year. Our vision as a church, we are convinced that we are put on here, planet Earth in Adelaide for this time to connect people to God, to His church and to their purpose. That has not changed for us. But every year there are certain tasks God gives us that we want to obey and move on. And we want to unfold those to you today. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.